Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is where you're watching this. Welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algitz, and joining me is... Maggie Lovett. How are you doing today, Maggie? I am doing excellent. <laughs> For a variety of reasons, you know, mostly because of talking about this little guy today. I, when I was building the show yesterday, I knew that putting that as one of our topics today was going to make you incredibly excited. So I just want you to know that this show's, this show's episode or this episode is mostly for you uh, <laughs> because I want to give you the opportunity to go off on this. Uh, but yes, today we are going to be talking about that, but we're also going to be talking about uh, the $6 billion man. And we're going to be taking a look at the Dune 2 trailer, at least giving our thoughts on the Dune 2 trailer. Uh, but I, we might as well just start it off. We're going to be talking about the whole Ben Solo redemption uh, revelation that we learned recently. Basically, if you do not know what this is, uh, basically Adam Driver uh, went on record recently to state that the plan for Kylo Ren was originally different and it didn't include the redemption that we got at the end of the rise of Skywalker, uh, which probably would upset plenty a Raylo fan across the <laughs> galaxy if that had happened. But, uh, he was stated as saying his, his idea was almost the opposite journey of Vader, where Vader starts the, more, the most confident, the most committed to the dark side. And by the last movie, he's the most vulnerable and weak. And he wanted to start at the opposite, where this character was the most confused and vulnerable. And by the end of the three movies, would be the most committed to the dark side. So basically, there would be no uh, good left in Ben by the final film was the original idea. But of course, as we all know, just from watching the sequel trilogy, things uh, did not pan out as originally planned and kind of just did their own thing. And we got what we got. Maggie, how do you feel about the proposed potential ending for Kylo's story versus what we got? I feel like I already know what your answer is, <laughs> but I want to hear you talk about it. All I can say is thank God for Ryan Johnson. Um, I think that him coming in with the last Jedi and absolutely changing the, the like world 
like view for where Ben was going is the best possible thing that we could have gotten. Um, you know, I obviously hate the outcome of the Rise of Skywalker, and it is getting sad about the Rise of Skywalker season. Shout out to my Raylos. Um, it's a, it's a collective depression. It's fine. We'll all, we'll all survive by January. Um, and while I hate the way that the Rise of Skywalker ends, I would have hated the idea of Ben becoming a completely irredeemable villain so much more uh, because, you know, as I've said before on dailies, in fact, um, I am a fan of the expanded universe and the stories that we've got with like Jason and Jaina and Anakin and the stuff that happened with, with Jason and Anakin, I feel like only worked because there were more than one solo child. If you just, and it's, it's bad enough that Ben died and he was the, the last like actual um, heir of Skywalker. Um, sorry, Ray. Um, is bad enough, but I think turning them into an irredeemable villain would have been counterproductive to everything that was Darth Vader's story. Um, and just kind of repeating a cycle, which didn't need to be repeated. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just don't think that story would have been good or beneficial to the Star Wars story as a whole. Um, and I think it's bewildering that they didn't have Ben Solo's redemption in mind from the very beginning, uh, because that is kind of the logical step for what Star Wars is about, which is hope and second chances. And going the opposite way is just not good storytelling. Um, and it's also kind of wild that they didn't actually seem to converse with each of the people who were signed up to direct and write things when everybody was kind of already set into motion more or less uh, before The Force Awakens even came out. So there's really no reason why they couldn't have connected things together. And yeah. That does that does sort of make me think about, you know, we got the we got the leak script for what episode nine was going to be with uh, Duel of the Fates, I believe was what it was called. Yeah, I have very controversial uh, opinions about that one. So I'm curious. I'm curious to hear how you feel about the way that Kylo's arc would have ended with that as opposed to what we got, because it, it's still there's still a little bit of that self-sacrifice redemption at the end. Yeah. But it's just not as large of a part of the plot of that. Yeah, I don't hate the Duel of Fate script. I think there's a lot of stuff in it that needed to have been reworked um, to actually fit more in line with where The Last Jedi ended things. I think that's fundamentally the issue with The Rise of Skywalker is that in a lot of regards, it acts like, oh, The Last Jedi, that didn't happen with the, the way that it resets a lot of characters' arcs, um, specifically with like Poe's arc feels kind of reset, Ray's arc feels reset, Ben's arc feels reset. I mean, like, he put his helmet back together when like the whole thing with that was like breaking away from like the mask and stuff like that. But there are a lot of things in duel of fates that I like the ideas of perhaps not like the actual execution of them, but I am definitely not one of the people that like hundred percent hates that script. I think it just needed some work. Um, but I think it, it could have worked as a final movie for it, but still probably would have been received in the same way that the rise of Skywalker was. I think, though, in regards to Kylo and his part in that story, I feel like it that to me would have made more sense continuing yeah. on from The Last Jedi, just because he kind of does go, I'm going to be the big bad guy at the end of The Last Jedi. 
and that film allows him to do that, but then still gives him a yeah. little bit of a realization at the end that like, hey, maybe uh, forgetting the past and all that nonsense isn't the right way to go. Exactly. Uh, What's funny, too, is the fact that like the Rise of Skywalker does not give Adam Driver anything to work with. It is actually quite embarrassing to have an actor of his caliber and especially where he was at his career at that point, like getting so many nominations for other movies and to have him literally only say like two words in the entirety of the end. And one of which is just ow. And I think that was just ad libbed um, or maybe that was the ADR he did in the closet. Um, but I think that is fundamentally one of the reasons why the rise of Skywalker doesn't work with Ben's redemption as well as it could have, because it's, not given and like an actual opportunity to be shown on screen and to really be explored. And there's so much stuff that like the comics have brought to it and like, God bless Ray Carson for like trying to bring stuff into the rise of Skywalker novelization to help flesh a lot of that stuff out. Um, but there's just a lot of weird choices that were made. Like I could, I could really get into the rise of Skywalker stuff. Um, based off of like some of the books that came out beforehand, like rise of the resistance was like such a, freaking phenomenal book uh, and set up so much cool stuff for like the resistance sides of things like Rose's arc and Fenn's arc and Poe's arc that then doesn't translate to screen at all, which just makes me very sad. Um, yeah. But, Rose had like what? 40 seconds of screen time. Well, or never, like like, as much as I'm mad that like Ben Solo didn't get enough like action and the rise of Skywalker, I came out of that movie so much more upset about the treatment of Rose considering how much harassment and bullying Kelly Marie Tran received after the last Jedi. It felt like that movie was then trying to cater to those people who said horrifying racist things to her um, for months and years and still do today. So it just kind of felt like justifying that. And I'm still quite mad about that. Yeah, I think it, I, I think it goes without saying that I am very much not a sequel fan, but there are things that could have been done that I think would have made me more of a sequel fan. Yeah. And uh, maybe treating Rose a little bit better would have been one of them. I uh, love Kelly Marie Tran and would have liked to have seen a lot more of her, but yeah, Ben Solo, I've, I've, I have vocally like, I've publicly said on numerous occasions that I didn't really like the whole Raylo thing, which I know is going to upset so many people. And I know upsets Maggie to no end. He will be doing She's... the rest of the podcast for me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hello, tiny plastic Adam driver. Um, it, it's, but I don't know. I think the idea of having him be full villain all the time without any sort of redemption at the end would be a misfire. As you pointed out, it's very not Star Warsy. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I do I do understand the argument that some people might make that having Ben be redeemed by the end is more of the same. It's very much but hey, let's just do the original trilogy again. Here's what would have made it different if they had not killed him, because the most important part of redemption is not redemption through death. It is redemption through living, because then you have to live with the consequences of the choices and actions that you made. And there are some beautiful examples of that in Star Wars. If you read Alphabet Squadron, what they do there with like restorative justice is such a beautiful example of what can be done in Star Wars in times of war. And it's just simply something that 
I've not seen done in Western media at all, really, in the last decade or so. The only redemption, I mean, even Loki did it to an extent, like Loki was redeemed by sacrificing himself and he doesn't have to live with his choices because he's just like, he's a tree now. Uh, which is like, it's just a weird way of storytelling. Like redemption is not, doesn't end when you die. It, it continues as you live. So. Well, it would have made for far more interesting expanded stories to have had a, a Ben Solo <laughs> around who, you know, maybe he helps Ray with the new Jedi order or whatever it is that she winds up doing. And he has to spend the entire time, you yeah. know, looking at all of these young force trainees that he would have killed in another yeah. life he would have taken out in he another was trained, life but yeah <laughs> no he was not but anyways uh but no but then that's like that also creates a new story there which is like he understands the call to the dark side in a way that other jedi haven't necessarily or even force users because i don't think any of them are going to be really truly jedi uh again but he understands the call to the dark side and what that looks like and he's seeing how that fails force users and would be able to use that experience to then try to help fix things. I mean, that's the whole idea of them bringing balance to the force. It's now unbalanced, basically, because you don't have that true experience. And just because Rey's a Palpatine doesn't mean that she fully understands the call to the dark side, because that was really never fully part of her story. That was Ben's yeah. story. That was what I, I never understood about the Jedi interpretation of the prophecy is that like, okay, if you're, if the chosen one is supposed to bring balance to the force, how is killing the entirety of one side bringing balance? Like, and somebody tries to explain it as like, oh, but the light side is balance and the dark no. side is a corruption of that balance. No. And I'm like, that's no, th that doesn't make sense. No. Balance. I, I firmly believe that uh, Anakin Skywalker fulfilled the prophecy at the end of episode three, because at that point there were two Sith and two Jedi remaining. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think it again kind of goes back to the fact that Western media has a really hard time with like morally gray situations. And I think the concept of the force being balanced exists in a gray area that uh, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that like audiences here can't handle that, but there's such a like a stark divide between the idea of like good and evil that it's really hard to view something as balanced. And so I think that's why there's this tendency to be like, no, balance is just 100% good, which nobody is 100% good. Uh, and so like that concept seems to fail a lot of the storytelling tropes here, unfortunately. We aren't even going to get into like any sort of gray side discussion. We aren't going to talk gray Jedi or anything like that. We've talked about gray Jedi on dailies before. We aren't going to get into it here. Maybe at some point we'll have like an episode where we just sit there and talk no. about what Star Wars could be. The, that liminal week uh, between Christmas and New Year's where there's not going to be a lot of news. Maybe we can get some like hot takes about like the Star Wars universe. I would be down for that. Maybe, maybe that's an idea, or maybe we just take a take a vacation. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Speaking of uh, stories that could have been or could be, let's talk about the $6 billion man. Uh, for those of you who might have forgotten back in 2014, it came out that Mark Wahlberg was attached to be part of a six. It's a $6 million man feature adaptation but it's the six billion dollar man because inflation uh you you really can't go far these days with only six million dollars you can't even make a marvel movie apparently for six million dollars so you know what do you how are you going to create a, an entire whole ass cyborg with only six million dollars can't do it it takes a billion now uh so he was he was attached to it uh, in 2014, and we haven't really heard much about it since, just small little bits and pieces here. It seemed like it was taken entirely off the release schedule in 2018, uh, but it, while talking to our own Steve uh, during an interview for, uh, what is the name? Oh, The Family Plan. Uh, <laughs> Steve actually asked about the $6 billion man, and Mark Wahlberg had a little bit to say. He said, quote, I'm going to read this here off my phone, so if I'm looking down, that's where I'm looking. Uh, he said, quote, you know what? I think there is finally hope for that to happen. And I think it's kind of actually a lot to do with this movie, because hopefully Skydance We'll have the rights, if not fully buttoned up now, very soon, and we'll fast track that movie to get made. So I'm still not out of the fight. I'm still grinding every day to get it made. You know, it's tough to get certain things made. It's very difficult. It was an uphill battle, but I think certain ones are worth just seeing through to the end. Uh, so it, Mark Wahlberg is very much still holding on to hope that this film is going to be made, and it seems like he's working hard to get it made. Uh, Maggie, do you think that we need a $6 billion man film? <laughs> Um, considering I know absolutely nothing about the $6 million man. Um, really? You know nothing? Like, we can rebuild him? We have the technology? I like. I'm, I think I'm vaguely aware of that, but that was not something that, like, I invested much thought process into. It's always funny to me to find the things that you are know. super nerdy about and then the things that you aren't because you have such a random smattering of stuff that you know and then there's just like these other things that I would think that you would at least have a like basic knowledge yeah. of. I mean, I that is just a hole like, in your nerd knowledge. I am a bionic woman and stuff like that if that was going to be like any of that. It's the same it's, it's the same the idea. Same. Uh, it's I, that's why I'm like I know it's like the same idea, but like Bionic Woman was way infinitely cooler to me than Six Million Dollar Man. So like, I don't know if there's an audience for it, really. Like, I don't know what that fan dumb looks like for the original TV show. Um, you don't think people are clamoring for an adaptation of a show from the late '60s, early '70s, starring uh, Mark Wahlberg, Lee Majors? <laughs> Um, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, honestly, I will say that, you know, in this day and age, it is a miracle that anything gets made. So like more power to Mark Wahlberg, if he does get this made, because it has been like a really long process from start to finish. And I do think that it would be probably disappointing for those people who are involved and invested or maybe writing scripts or like working on it for it to take so many years and then to not actually like come to anything, not come to fruition. Uh, so in that regards, maybe I'm excited for them to have that happen. But like, personally, I have zero stakes in this. 
I think that it would be I think that it would be really an interesting idea, an interesting thing to go with if they don't just turn it into generic superhero movie number mm, 835 yeah. uh which it would be very very easily to take you know it's it's a story of a of a guy being in a horrible accident so like oh we have all this technology we're going to turn him into this like super spy cyborg dude like it it's very easy to take that and turn it into a generic superhero film yeah and i would hope that if they do it that they don't go that route and maybe they play it a little bit more grounded a little bit, which I know isn't, is a weird statement to say when you're talking about the $6 billion man, but uh, kind of lean a little bit more into maybe the, the, the horrific consequences of someone being cyborgified. Yeah. Uh, because like it's all glitz and glam maybe for like a few moments and then, you know, doesn't really fit into society anymore. He doesn't really fit in with anybody that he knew before, you know, p- maybe play that up a little bit, maybe go a little bit RoboCop with it, I think yeah. would be an interesting way to go. Um, Cause it is very much in a similar in vein genre, to yeah. RoboCop. Um, so and maybe go that way. It's in that same genre, basically, you know, I, you that being know. said, I, I, I think with Mark Wahlberg being attached, I don't <laughs> foresee it being a, a deep character drama. Not that Wahlberg isn't capable he's a very capable actor but it's just not really what like when he leads a movie that's not really what he's doing yeah um so it would be it would be quite the departure from what we're used to seeing from his film specifically yeah um I liked your comment but, not superheroifying it because that was my like same concern with like the Rocketeer remake that's like kind of still in pre-production hell I think like that feel- as someone who loved the original rocketeer movie the one from the 90s as much as i did like i have a very one of my like core memories is running around my yard with a backpack on and a (laughs) bike helmet (laughs) pretending i was the rocketeer as like a little like three or four year old um so that remake makes me uncomfortable (laughs) um but you know yeah i just think handle it go maybe go in a more interesting direction with whether we're talking about the rocketeer or the six million dollar man uh just go in a more interesting direction with it try not to play into the tropes of the genre nearly as much especially now because so many people are kind of getting you know superhero fatigue is a term that has been thrown around a lot and whether you agree with the severity of it or not it is a thing um so you know maybe just you know, try to try to take a different angle with it if you're going to be producing it. That's all that I have to say about that. Uh, but do you know what I don't have or what I haven't ran out of things to say about? Dune Part 2, which I am so incredibly excited for. Are you doing with it yet? That was a stretch. Like, that one pained me just because I feel like you can do better. Don't give me those. Don't give me that look. Drink your coffee. Anyways, we got a trailer for Dune Part 2. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> your caffeinated morning beverage. Uh, we got a trailer for Dune Part 2 yesterday, uh, giving us a full look at what this film is going to look like. And 
it it just looks so good. Honestly, that shouldn't be a, a surprise to anyone who enjoyed the first film as much as I did. Um, I've watched that movie probably like twenty or thirty <laughs> times. Which, considering how like how much work tends to keep me busy and things of that nature, watching a movie that many times is tough these days. Uh, but this trailer just. Huh, maybe I maybe I am at a loss of words for it just because it's so well, it's so because I have very little to say about Dune. <laughs> Are you not a? Is this another hole in your nerd? No, I watched the nerdiness? original. I like watched the original Dune, and then when this one was coming out, I tried to read the book, and I thought it was unbearably dense. And it then the movie, dense. and I don't. This is gonna get me like hate. I'm sure, but I'm not. Um, particularly like a fan of timothy chalamet like i think he's fine i think he's great in little women um but like i'm not clamoring to go see a movie with him in it um so i will say that he is he is certainly not the draw for these movies for me um i do like his paul atreides i think that uh i was a little hesitant to get behind him before the first film and then when the first one came out, I was like, no, he did just a, a really, really good job embodying that character. And when I read the books and I think of Paul Atreides, he did a good job of capturing what my mental image of some of his mannerisms and things that uh, were. He he did a good job of that. So I will say that Chalamet is not what draws me to these films. So I get that. Not um, to make it about Ben Solo, but I am known to do that. But the best part of Dune for me is the fact that fan video makers and like gift makers use Timothy and like his role in this as like a, a child of Ben and Ray and a lot of edits. So when I see Dune, I just that's what my brain is programmed to actually think of, which is a hilarious like connection. Um, so I am happy for more content, you know, always happy for the fan vitters to have. You want your content. you want your fan edits to, I want to fan edits. It makes off. me happy. Um, but I mean, I do love like Zendaya and I think she's really great in it, but I also think she's really underutilized in it. And obviously that kind of is the issue with her character. I think a lot of the female characters are under. Well, I feel like that that's going to be, that's going to be probably remedied with this because in the book, I mean, obviously like Chani wasn't there for the first half of the book. So, but the second half is going to be much more Fremen heavy. So I, I imagine she's going to have a much larger role to play in things. That is a complaint that even I have about the first film is the fact that like, Hey, we see Zendaya for, two seconds and that's that's it and all of the marketing and everything was so big about like hey yeah. it's a because it's she's a the biggest seller in it outside of you know oscar isaac in the first one she was really like the star power and now of course they do as well and stuff i mean these movies are super stacked as far as cast mm-hmm. and in, and in part two we're going to be getting even more people florence Pugh is joining uh christopher walken is the emperor which I I just need to see more of that to really wrap my head my brain around how he's going to be uh, like it's it is something that I am incredibly excited to see. I am very much looking forward to it. The second half of Dune is arguably the best part of Dune. Uh the first part of the book is exceptionally slow and exceptionally like 
it drags really badly in the pacing department. So now we're going to be getting into the kind of exciting part of everything going on. And uh, hopefully it does well enough that we can see Children of Dune and Dune Messiah and all of the other parts of the story that kind of need to be there for it to be a finished story. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we can get that down the line. Maggie, you say that you saw the 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 original, which I'm I'm assuming you mean the the Lynch yeah. Dune. Yeah. Did you by chance check out the uh, Sci-Fi Channel original movie version of Dune from the 2000s? Yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> here's here's here is my Dune hot take, which I feel like isn't a hot take among the Dune fandom, but is a hot take among just general society. The Sci-Fi Channel original movie is better than the Lynch version. Yeah, I've definitely seen other people say that. It is that is that is Dune. Whereas Lynch's is like, hey, let's let's scramble together like bits and pieces of just weirdness and let's put it on screen and see what happens. It's an effective movie and it's a good movie, don't get me wrong, but the Sci-Fi Channel original movie is much closer to the source material. And if you want to experience Dune <laughs> without watching the Denny Villeneuve films for some reason, if you're not into that, then the Sci-Fi Channel ones are the way to go. Uh, or you can just wait until Doom Part 2 comes out, which is, we don't have that long. Although we would have had it already, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm chill. I'm calm. I'm okay with what we got instead of getting this film because of the strikes. So I was scared to say because of the strikes where we got fair wages better protections and we're already reaping the benefits of it with Netflix giving out their uh, hours watched this week, which was part. I am much, I am, as I said, I am very happy with the things that we got me not getting Dune part two is a small price to pay, but it is still a price that I've had to pay. (laughs) It does. (laughs) (laughs) I did like on the day that it was supposed to come out Twitter. There were a whole bunch of people that were tweeting as though it did come out. (laughs) Well, Twitter is always full of, funny people (laughs) i love it very much but that is where we're going to end today's show uh we had 20 minutes of talking about ben solo and then 10 (laughs) minutes of talking about everything else that's pretty typical i think for our episodes where we'll we'll find some like nerd thing to latch onto and that becomes the entire episode uh but uh be sure to tune in tomorrow where perry and steve are going to be regaling you with all kinds of movie news uh i will also be there because i'm going to be actually running the show tomorrow but uh i will not be talking so you will you will not be aware of my presence if i do my job right uh as it all just falls apart and it's all entirely my fault uh (laughs) but anyways maggie and i will be back next week where we will be uh yeah doing what we always do maggie will be sharing something that she is far far more passionate about than i ever will be uh and you know just all around being pleasant uh but anyways I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your you week. You haven't let me speak to who I'm interviewing today. Oh, that's right. Yes. We need to do that. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on me about that. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I got beef with you. I got beef with you real quick. If I'm screwing up in an episode, please, by all means, correct me. Like, just flat out call me out. Yesterday, saying Eccleston's name wrong the entire episode? Call me out, Maggie. I kept trying to politely correct you, John. I hate being like... Don't do it politely. 
You'd be like, you're wrong, dude. It's this. Okay, like, make a note of that. Be very aggressive in my corrections. I will even get like. It is so much more entertaining. I'll like wave a red sharpie around. And be like, I am marking up your mistakes live. Okay, don't don't pull out the red pen. That's just mean. Well. <laughs> I am known for being mean. Uh, Anyways, thank you for calling me out this time. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about what you what you have coming down the pipeline because you are exceptionally excited. I am very excited. Yes. Uh, so I am interviewing Daniel Brule today uh, for Race for Glory, Audi versus Silencia, which I am very excited about. Uh, and yeah. So that will be coming down the Collider Pipeway very soon. Uh, but yeah, it is, it has been something that's been in the works all week that I have just been like anxiously awaiting to um, talk about. So I can't wait for the interview later today and sharing it with everybody later this week, hopefully. That'll be fantastic. I know that I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that interview uh, just because I want to... I want to see uh, uh, what Daniel has to say about some of the things that I'm sure you're going to ask him about. Uh, it's going to be a good time all around. So be sure to check that out when it comes out on collider.com. Uh, yeah. So now I can wrap up the episode. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Be sure to make good choices. You know, it's the holiday season. So, you know, be having fun with your loved ones. <laughs> And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. I'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.